There's a prayer out of Colossians chapter 1 that I've been praying for this church a lot using this passage. And I just, I just want to read that over us. I'm going to read it somewhat slowly because I want it to really sink in. If you can allow each word to just sit inside of you, if you need to close your eyes so you can focus a little bit better, that's okay too. But just allow this prayer to just sit on you. Paul prayed. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you and me, not because of what we've done, but because of what He's done, qualified us to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, I pray that very prayer over my life, the life of my family, the life of this church, that we all would grow in the spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we might walk and live in a way that is worthy of you, bearing fruit, living to the fullness of what you have for us. And that we might experience your power, your patience, your perseverance, your joyful trust in the midst of whatever it is we're going through. And that we would understand what it means to be those who belong to the kingdom of the Son you love, the kingdom of light instead of darkness. I pray that as we look forward to this upcoming year, as we begin a new year, new fresh school year coming out of the summer, that all of us, God, we will walk more deeply and fully into that reality that we belong to you and nothing else. Show us and teach us what that means, what that looks like, not just on a theoretical level, but in an everyday level. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for the ways you are at work. Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. You guys may have a seat. You may have a seat. Thank you, worship team. Thank you guys so much. Um, I, one Sunday a month, or oh, not a month, huh, a year, one Sunday a year, we take a moment to pause, thanks Michael, to pause, look back at all that God has done in the previous year, and then look forward to try to describe where we discern he's leading us in the future. And I figure, end of summer, start of a fresh new school year for a lot of us, why not now, right? Let's, let's take a Sunday just to focus on what I call Vision Sunday. Where, where has he taken us? But we look back not to stay in the past, right? We look back to see how far God has brought us. And we look forward not with anxiety or fear... But if Christ is in us, the hope of glory, we look forward trusting that he has even bigger things in store for us. 
You know, one thing that's awesome about our God is wherever He's leading you, wherever He's leading us, it's always toward greater freedom and hope. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's true for you personally? Do you believe that's true for you personally? Some of you are like, I believe it's true for that person, right? Sometimes we have a hard time believing it. Do you believe that's true for us as a church? Do you believe that that's true for our community and neighborhoods? I need to ask that again. Do you believe that's true for our community and neighborhoods? Man, if we can't believe that light won't go into the darkest of places, then do we even have belief? Right? But our God is on the move. He is working. And we get to be a part of that together. And I'm thrilled by that. And so we're going to talk about what that might look like this upcoming year. Uh, But before we do that, I want to look at what I believe is one of the most powerful prayers in the entire Bible. John 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying for you and me. Do you know that he prayed for us? In John 17, he prays for his disciples, and then he turns and says, Father, now I'm going to pray for all those who will come to believe based on their message. That's us. And so in this prayer, he prays for us. But the reason why I believe this is one of the most powerful prayers in all the Bible is because I like to try to imagine what would it be like if this prayer were fully realized here. And so as I read this, John 17, starting at verse 20, as I read this, I want your brain to be churning, your imagination to be going, of what would it look like if this became a reality here? All right? Got got it? Got your assignment as we're reading this? Okay. I know you guys are here. I know you guys are here, but if I'm preaching to myself, that's okay. That's okay. I just like a little crowd participation once in a while. So you guys got it? All right. Here we go. John 17, starting at verse 20. This is Jesus praying. He says, My prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so they may be brought to complete what? Unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Look at that last few words again. That the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, the followers of Jesus north of Boston and across the world, even as you have loved me. Do you understand that the love God has for you is the same love that he has for Jesus himself? Some of you are like, that's very confusing. I don't know what that means. We'll, We'll get into it, all right? But... Before we do that, will you pray after me? Say, God, I want to be wholly yours. Maybe too many words. I want to be wholly yours. So speak to me. Change me. Lead me in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
So one reason why I believe this passage is so important is because the person praying here, this is our Lord, right? This is who we call the real senior pastor of this church and the church global. It's Jesus himself. And this prayer reveals his vision for us. Or at least a big idea behind his vision for us. And so what is his ultimate desire and hope for us as his people? As those who follow him? What is his vision? Right? What what would it look like if this became a reality here? See, ultimately, Jesus is praying that us as his followers would burn with the strength of his love to a degree that the world has to take notice of what's going on. He's praying that we would be so united in him that it would be beyond what anybody around us can possibly ignore. People all around us in our communities, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, they're all looking to be a part of something meaningful. Something bigger than themselves. Something where they can unite with other people. I think there are some people who have sought that. And then in that search found wanting. And so they're left somewhat jaded, cynical, maybe that it's even possible. But if you don't believe that people want to unite around something, just watch this upcoming election year, right? Watch the number of ways people will unite around various causes or individuals or things. Because it's part of our human nature that we want to unite around something bigger than ourselves. But the truth is, and what we know to be true, is that anything that this world has to offer ultimately will fall short in trying to answer the deepest questions and desires of our human hearts. Because the thing that we're ultimately designed to connect with is something beyond this world, and that is God himself. So in response to that, God says, I'm not going to leave them on their own. I am going to break into their world, be born within it, Jesus, fully God, fully man, that they might know who I am. Jesus, the one who says, the Father in me and I in you. Perfect unity. Now, is the whole Jesus being fully God, fully man thing kind of confusing to us? Sure it is. But it's God we're talking about here. And we do have to admit, if the God is worthy of worship, there will be things that we fall short to fully comprehend, right? But as we begin to comprehend what it means that Jesus came into this world, I think the even more important question, and the question that he really gets at in this prayer, is not just what does it mean, but why? Why would he come within our world? And he answers that here in this prayer. He says, God, I didn't just come that they might just have a relationship with me. They might get to know me. But he says, I came that I might take up residence within them. And therefore, he's given us his very spirit, the spirit of God to reside in those who belong to him. And so therefore... We come together as those in Christ. The thing that unites us is not that we all dress the same way, that we all act the same way, that we all look the same way, that we all agree on all the same things. The thing that unites us above everything else is the very same Spirit of God that is within me and you and all those who have placed their faith in Christ. 
That is the very uniting factor among us. And then he says, when that happens, he says the natural progression is that the world will see and believe that Jesus was sent. And so we understand this progression, right? If we get the next thing on the board. He's saying basically Christ in us leads us to be united with one another that the world may see him. And about a year ago, we laid out this vision statement as a church. That we want to be people, and it's patterned after that. That we want to be people who are rooted in Jesus. Who are growing together and seeking to serve our community. Right? We are seeking, those are really words using to describe, paint that image. Almost like a tree of who we are called to be together. But it's all coming out of this prayer. Rooted. Growing. Serving. But before I really get into that, though, I think we can understand on a theoretical level how you know, we can be unified with one another and all of that and serve our community. But my question is, what is the real glue? Practically speaking, how are we bonded together? What is the fuel upon which the fire of unity burns? And I believe the key to that in this passage is found in verse 22. Which Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. So the question is, what kind of glory did Jesus seek? Think about that for a moment. Engage with that. What kind of glory did Jesus seek? When we think of glory, we tend to think of Someone with a lot of money, a big throne. We tend to think of the Caesar types in the world. Is that the kind of glory Jesus sought? No. He didn't come seeking the throne. He came seeking the glory of a cross. But that you see who he was. That the glory Jesus had, the kind that that, that he owns, was one that was ultimately bought through servant self-giving love, not self-promotion. He never came boasting of his human strength or power. He came in humility, made himself nothing to become a servant, to give his life. And then based on that, the Father exalted him. That's what it means when God says he exalts the humble And the prideful he brings down. But we see that if that very same spirit of self-giving love lives within us. When we as a community do not seek always the first chair. When we seek to find ways to serve and uplift one another. To encourage one another. to, to, To give of ourselves. When we look to find ways to live in conjunction with that self-giving kind of love, what naturally happens among us as a community? We grow unified. Let me ask you, do you want to hang out with people who are only seeking themselves? No. We're naturally drawn to be a part of something that is selfless. That has a love that wants something greater than itself. And Jesus has that very thing. Self-giving love naturally unites. And when there's a community 
that is, is burning in the fire of the Holy Spirit and they are brought together into a bonfire for him, naturally the community is going to catch a whiff of that. And they're going to grow hungry for that. And there are going to be questions and curiosity coming out of that. Thus giving us an opportunity to show who he is. The old Methodist preacher John Wesley once said, he says, Light yourselves on fire with passion or the love of Christ. And people will come from miles to watch you burn. So when we talk about being rooted in Jesus, growing together, serving our community, I want us to understand these are no light, weak verbs. When we see them through the lens of who Jesus is, they become the strongest of verbs. One's actually calling us toward Him and to be like Him. And so... A year ago, we laid out this vision, trying to understand what does this mean? Who are we called to be? And man, I, I have to say, I, looking back over this past year, I've been blown away by God's goodness and faithfulness to us. A year ago today, we were in a swirl of emotions as a congregation, and rightfully so. Almost exactly a year ago, we said goodbye to Pastor George and Trish, who had been here for 35 faithful years. And there was a lot of sadness over that. There was also some excitement about what's coming, but I think it's also okay to admit that a lot of people were anxious about what's going to change. Asking questions like, um, how will this affect me? How will this affect other people? How are we going to get these things done? Who's going to do it? All these sorts of things that just kind of churn inside of us as a church, but one of the things I've noticed over this past year, I've noticed that, because I, I hear all sorts of stories from other pastors who have taken over churches and all of that, and I've been blown away by the receptivity of this church to what God wants to do here. And I'm not just saying that to butter your biscuits, right? That's a southern phrase. We don't have biscuits here. Um, but I'm not just saying that you know, but, but, but it's true. I've seen the way that so many of you guys have sought to own parts of this church. You wanted to carry this with us. You've been praying into God's work here. And I thank you for that. I took over this lead pastor role a year ago, and I'll, I'll be straight. Like, it's been a steep learning curve for me. But you guys have given me the grace and the space to figure it out. Like, that's, that's self-giving love. That's servant love that we're exhibiting for, toward one another. And our potential to move forward as a church is really grounded in how willing are we to be servants to one another. And I see, the, I see it already. And so I thank you for that. And as we're looking forward, though, to this upcoming year, this was only year one for me. And I, and I truly believe that the good work he began in us he will bring about to completion. And I believe we're just getting started. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Some of you are like, I'm still, jury's still out. That's okay. That's okay. But as we look forward to this upcoming year, and we've wrestled with God, what is your design for this local expression of church called Trinity? I believe that there's really three things that he wants, to focus, wants us to focus on this year. Number one, how do we go more deeply into understanding what it means to belong to Jesus. What does it mean to be His? 
And I'm going to talk about how we're going to do that in a second. But I also believe that he wants to bring down a lot of the barriers between us as a community in order to bring us together. And I also believe that he's going to use us to help build a trust again with our community. And show us how to reach people where they are in that same servant love. And so I just want to describe going through, rooted, growing, serving. How do we see these things coming about this year? And just starting with the rooted, I could talk a lot about this particular one, but for the sake of time, I will say um, roots, if you think about it in a tree, right? The roots are the part that you don't see. But they're the parts that are giving nutrients to the tree. No roots, tree dies. Roots, right? Very way that the tree exists. A tree may not have branches, a tree may not have trunk, it may be able to exist for a while like that, but take the roots out, things done. And for us as a church, our roots, the unseen things that are shaping us is the very word of God. It is the very good news about who Jesus is. And so this, we are never going to waver from, from rooting ourselves in his word. But beginning next week, we're going to start a series called We Are the Church. We Are the Church does not mean we are the only church. <laughs> right? That's not what that phrase means. What it means is church primarily is not a building, an organization, or a program. The church is the gathered followers of Christ together. And so we're going to unpack, starting next week, what does it mean to be the church? And what are some of the distractions that keep us from that? And I'm hoping to tear down a lot of myths that we often have about church and what it means and what it is. Next week, we're just going to start by saying, what in the world does evangelical mean? It's a part of the title of our church. Do we know what it means? We're going to talk about that uh, next week. We're also going to talk about what it does not mean. But as we're looking at that, we're also going to talk about ways we can grow together. We fundamentally believe that growth and faith happens better in circles than it does in rows. And what I mean by that is like today we, we come and we're in rows. And I think this is good, right? Like there's good things that come out of Sunday morning. We're able to celebrate what God is doing. And this is a, a good part of what it means to be a part of a church. But if you look at our lives, practically speaking, when do you tend to see the most growth or change in your life? Is when you can not just hear, but be able to discuss and work things out and wrestle and pray with other people who love Jesus like you. And so we are looking at, at Alpha is one way we do that. Small groups and women's Bible study is another way we do that in this church. Alpha, like Mark mentioned earlier, is a, class, a 10-week class that starts in two weeks. Starts at 5 o'clock. Dinner will be served. Is dinner part of our trick to get you there? Absolutely it is. But it's also it's just a great way to con connect too, right? So, but that starts at 5 o'clock in two weeks. If you're somebody who's new to faith, or maybe you just have a lot of questions. You know, you've been a Christian for a long time, and you're like, I've never really explored these things. Come to Alpha, right? Ten weeks, commit to do that. You will not regret that. Also, we have small groups. Small groups are just groups of like-minded people that meet in homes or here at church at various times throughout the week. We encourage everybody to be part of one, right? One. 
Because that becomes the group of people around which you learn to really wrestle with God's Word. You pray for each other when you're going through hard times. You visit each other when you're in the hospital. You learn how are we gifted. And you learn to just do life together. Small groups are a great opportunity for that. And so after the service, we have Dan and Fran Donahue, our small group directors, are right out that door. They have a list of the available small groups, open small groups. And you can put your name down if you're interested in any number of them. So that's right after. But we also have women's Bible study. And there will be a representative out in the foyer, right out those doors, talking about the various groups available for that. You know, one of the things that um, I think is true is, is for a lot of women, you connect better with other women. Right? And there's a lot of things that women are able to talk through that when a man's there, they're like, yeah, forget this. So this is a great opportunity for women to come together to pray for each other, to support each other. And there's a lot of different options available this year. Um, these are all great ways to get connected. But when it comes to growing together, we've also asked, how do we grow together with the upcoming generation? How do we involve the kids, the youth, the teenagers? How do we, how do we bring them into the growth of the whole community as well? Do we just silo them off downstairs and hope, good luck, hope you learn something down there? Or is there a greater involvement for us as a church? And to be able to explain how we're thinking about that, I'm going to invite uh, Leanne Ray on up. If everybody could give her a big round of applause. Leanne is our children's director, but she's taken on a few more hats this year, like marriage, parenting, these sorts of things. So she can take it, right? So we'll take it away. Yeah. I want to um, start by sharing a scripture that we've been talking about for the last few years. We've been sharing Deuteronomy 6 uh, with the congregation saying that these are our marching orders as parents. This is how we disciple our kids. This is how we raise them. We need to know God's commandments and we need to impress them on our children. We need to talk about them when we sit at home and when we go out, when we lie down uh, and when we get up. And what we're basically trying to remember is that Jesus does not live in this church building. He is not a Sunday kind of God. He is an everyday, everywhere, everything God who we serve. So we don't want things to just happen in Sunday school in this church building because God's saying that it should happen everywhere. Jesus needs to be a part of the whole picture. And we've really been thinking about how we can make that happen because it's what's effective um, for our kids. And about 18 months-ish, ago, I was listening to a teaching on how to have an effective children's ministry. And the woman who was teaching shared all kinds of things, but there was one thing that stuck out to me, and I knew that God was telling me to pay attention. And she said, do less for kids, but more for families if you want to have an effective children's ministry. And I knew, I knew that those words mattered, but I kept getting stuck on do less for kids. And all I could picture was a new family walking through the door with their little kids and their family coming in saying, so what do you have to offer in your kids' ministry? And me being like, well, not much. We're actually doing less and less for kids. And I was like, oh boy, that is not a recipe for success. But I know that God wants me to pay attention to these words. So I wrote them down on this little sticky note, and it has been on my uh, little bulletin board in my kitchen for about 18 months. And for about a year straight, I looked at this little post-it note every single day and said, God, I have no idea what this means, and I don't know what you want me to do with it. 
but I know that I have to do something. I know there's something for us. And what the Lord showed me, it took me a while to catch on, um, but what he really showed me was that an effective children's ministry doesn't mean the biggest children's ministry. It doesn't mean the most elaborate children's ministry. It doesn't mean the most programs for kids, and it doesn't even mean the most fun children's ministry. The most effective children's ministry is the one who equips parents to do what Scripture instructs us to do. That's the model that Jesus gave us. It's for families to be the primary disciple makers. So we are going to do our darndest to equip our families to disciple their children because that will, will, is what will be effective in raising kids who will follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. I think we're getting a good little recipe going, and I want to share that with you, some of the things for the year ahead. We do have Sunday school. We sent the kids off this morning. Um, last week, we asked for help. We let you know that there were some spots open. Thank you for your response. The response was incredible, and we were able to fill the spots that we needed so that we are running like full throttle downstairs today. I appreciate that. Thank you. In our Sunday school classes, we want to be another voice for your children. We want to share the Bible. We want them to know of God's love. We want them to know about salvation. We will do that to partner alongside you. But we're only doing that on Sunday mornings. We don't have that seven days a week. And we want to make sure that you are equipped to continue lessons throughout every day. This morning in the nursery, your babies are receiving cuddle cards on their way out. They will be receiving these every week. It has a little picture on the front. It says, God made everything. God is amazing. He made everything. And there are little tips on the back. How do I teach my three-month-old three about Jesus? What do I say? What do I tell them? This gives you tips for you to talk with your kid every single day. In the preschool today, your kids are getting little books that look like this. This is for them to take home and keep at home. Uh, in the preschool version, there are like three short stories, also with tips on how do I tell my kid about God as I read these stories. Preschoolers need repetition, so there's only three stories, and we hope that you will read them over and over and over and over and over again. Your elementary students are walking away with these devotionals. There's different ones for different grades, um, and we think they're pretty awesome. They're colorful, they're simple, they have jokes in them, they have like crossword puzzles and mazes, and they also have devotions for every day of the week so that you have these at home. They go along with our curriculum. We teach on Sunday, and there are five days worth of activities after that for you to do for the week. If you want super double bonus points, don't teach what we taught today. Don't go home and do that for your kids. Skip ahead to next week. Teach them what they're going to learn in Sunday school next Sunday. Go through it all week, and then they're going to walk into Sunday school, and their teacher's going to be like, hey, we're talking about David and Goliath. And they're going to be like, I know all about that because my parents taught me all week long. And we are going to give them a high five and say, heck, yeah, they did. So go a week ahead. You be the one who teaches them, and we'll be the ones to reinforce it. We purchased these for your kids because we think that they can be helpful, and we want to equip you. If they don't get opened, they're completely useless. Figure out how it can work for your family. Do you send your kids away and they do them on their own and then you talk about them at dinner time? Do you do them all together before bed? I don't know. I have no idea what works for your family. But where I would start is if you look at this and say, it looks good, but we actually don't make it home for dinner together. We actually don't get home until bedtime. We don't have time to add this. 
then my first suggestion would be for you to think about your schedule. Work is important and soccer practice is good, but they pale in comparison to spending time investing in your family and discipling your children. If you don't have time to share Jesus with your kids, revise your schedule. It's worth it. This is for you to talk about Jesus every day. As a church, we're going to grow together, and we're going to have things happening all year long. And this is just a little preview. Two things I want you to pay attention to. Wednesday, September 25th, we're having a family night. All kids, all families, come on down. We're going to have fun. You'll hear more about it later, but mark your calendar for September 25th. It's a Wednesday night. On October 5th. We are having a marriage night. Your kids are not invited. Hire a babysitter, and we hope you'll join us here. It's for all married couples on Saturday night. We really believe that a strong marriage helps make a strong family, and this year we are going to start investing in marriages. We want our families and our homes to be strong, and it starts with building up strong marriages. So this is just the beginning of that, and as we go through the year, we're going to do parenting classes, we're going to do kids' nights, we're going to do family nights, we're going to do marriage nights, and we're going to try to support whole families families so that we can do our best to disciple kids. I'm done. Thanks, everybody. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Now, if that's uh, anybody overwhelmed by all that? <laughs> yeah, no, I am too. Um, but, I, but I assure you, what we're trying to do as a church, because some people feel like, man, I feel like you're asking me to run a marathon and I'm still laying on the couch. We want you just to take the next step. That's our goal. If you're currently sitting on the couch on this one, if you're only running a mile or two on this one, right? Like we just want to help you take, go to that next step. We're not trying to take you from the couch to a marathon. You pull muscles that way, right? But, but ultimately trying to help you move just to the next step. Not, not so this overwhelms you, but so that we had just have those resources available to us so that we can grow together. Got it? Got it. All right. Last but not least, I'm almost out your way. Um, we want to talk about how is it that we can help build a better relationship with our community? How do we let our community know that we genuinely care about them and love them and that God does too and he's for them? And as we've wrestled with that, and when we say serving our community, like, again, servant love here, we've tried to think about what are the needs of this community and various towns around us, and how do those needs intersect with the particular passions and talents of people inside our church? And as we've wrestled with that, we've really come down thinking, man, we are at least starting at a place that we want to make a deeper impact in the foster care community. And so we've gotten involved with a couple different organizations, one of which is Foster Box. Tina Preciado uh, is in charge of that, and she's doing a phenomenal job helping directing a bunch of volunteers who have signed up for it. We've served about 15 families, foster families, since July, right? And we're only getting started on that. The Foster Box, uh, we've repurposed a uh, food pantry to instead store clothing and other things that foster families might need to then deliver it to them for free. Right? That's one organization we've gotten started with. We've also thought, man, passions, needs of our community, talents, we really want to help men and women in addiction recovery. And so we uh, together partnered with an organization called Hope is Our Goal, seeking to raise money to provide scholarships so men and women can enter 12-step based recovery programs. 
programs like the Wenham House in Wenham, Massachusetts, which is a sober living community that we've partnered with. And we've learned a lot from them. And hopefully we find ways that we can even serve them and helping them accomplish their mission of helping these men that stay there walk in freedom. And as we thought more, we thought, oh man, like we have a lot of people who are great at building in this church. And we happen to have uh, the directors of Fuller Center Disaster Rebuilders in our church who go to hurricane-affected areas along the coast and help rebuild homes. And so we're, as a church, getting involved in that. And we already are in talks of a trip here soon, thinking Veterans Day week right now. More info to come on that. Uh, but we want to send a team down Veterans Day week to North Carolina to help home, homes become rebuilt. Next week, instead of taking up a diaconate offering, I've talked to Jim Roskowski, the director of our diaconate, and he said, you know what, instead of taking up a diaconate offering, why don't we take up an offering next week for the Fuller Center in response to all that happened with with Dorian that came through this past week. So next week we're going to do just that. And so I encourage you to think in prayer this past week. How might you be able to give so that we can contribute to Fuller Center in order so that they can go and help rebuild these homes affected by devastating things like Dorian. And so that's another way we're getting involved, trying to serve not just our local community, but get involved on a domestic level across our nation. And last but not least, I want to tell you about one change that is coming this year. As many of you know, every year or in the fall, we put on this event called Fall Fest. Fall Fest, we had a great team of people who would do a ton of hours into putting on this event in our parking lot. They'd put games, crafts, different things going on out there with the nice fall theme. Um, and then invite our community in or to, to our parking lot in hopes of being able to connect with them, develop relationships with them. Well, it was good, right? Like The event was good, but the main goal of the event was to help us connect with our community. And every year we were looking around and we realized, huh, maybe five, generously 10% of the people who came to Fall Fest had no church home. While that is something, it's not a lot. And so we wanted to figure out how can we be more effective in reaching our community. So on that same day when we would normally offer Fall Fest, we've decided to do something called Trinity Serb Day. And that we've already been in contact with a bunch of different organizations around the area saying, how could we come serve you on this day? Can we come clean? Can we come rake? Can we come paint? Can we come read to the people in the nursing home? What can we do to come exhibit the servant love of Christ? And as we're gathering all that stuff together, we are going to get together as a church on October 26th, not to stay here, but to then go out in teams in order to serve for just a few hours on that day. Because I want us to be able to be more exposed to what's going on around us and just become aware of it. Because ultimately, I believe that we have a much better chance of reaching people when we go outside than when we just wait for everybody to come to us, right? Does that make sense? Yes. And so we're just trying to think, how can we better reach our community? And so we had that come and please save the date, October 26th, uh, and come be a part of that with us. But in all that we're doing, whether we're rooting ourselves in Jesus, growing together, serving our community, all of this is just seeking to live in conjunction with that prayer Jesus prayed. We want to reach real unity 
real change in our community. And that only happens through the glory of the cross. As we learn to live that out. And there's so many things that I could say. So many things that are left to say about this year. And I'll even say more about it um, at the annual business meeting at the end of this month. But one thing I want to say is thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have been praying for this church. We have a lot. Anytime God's at work, you're going to have different forces working against him. But we in us have the one, Jesus himself, who holds all power and authority. And our prayers are effective. Right? They're powerful and effective. So thank you for praying into what God has. I also want to thank you for all those who have been giving financially to make this possible. Like we've taken some big steps forward this past year because of the generosity of this church. We've had the resources to do so. Well, we want to take even bigger steps this upcoming year. So pray about what might that mean? How, how could you partner with us financially to be a part of this thing together? And last but not least, I hope you get involved. You get engaged in what God is doing here. It's great if you're coming on Sunday morning and you're being a part of it. Like that, that's a great step. But I encourage you to take one more step into the life of this church. Whether it's a small group, a women's Bible study, whether it's serving in a particular way. Like just one step. Pray about what that might mean. Because ultimately, transformation happens as we get and start working together and starting getting to know one another. We take those solid steps forward. But overall, I lay all this out, understanding that God can do and will do exceedingly abundantly above all that which we can ask or think according to His power at work within us. I can't wait to see the ways that we grow not only individually, but together. And I can't wait to see the stories that are going to come out of our interactions with this community. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And then the more we pray into that, the more I believe we'll have hope for that. Because we know it's not our power, but it's His. May we be one, as Jesus and the Father are one, so that the world may see who He is. Will you pray with me? Father, we want to be faithful. We're definitely not perfect, <laughs> but we want to be faithful. And I know, God, that it's not ultimately my job to change myself, but it's my job just to say, God, whatever you want to do, and just surrender to, what, to you. You are at work. And so, God, I pray that we would be the kinds of people who seek your wisdom and understanding, who want to live in a way that honors and pleases you. And we know that as that is our heart, naturally, God, you will lead us out. That we can't just stay in, but we do have to go out to reach those who do not know you because your heart is always moving beyond our comfort zones. So God, make us uncomfortable this year. <laughs> Some of the people are like, I don't know if I want to pray that. But God, I pray that you will lead us to the places of tension, because that's where growth happens. And thank you for the ways that you're leading us. And we look forward and thank you in advance for all that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's sing one final song together. Just in response to that, as we celebrate all that God's done and all that we can look forward to.